Text. I'm Matthew Kressel, and I'm joined as always by Mary Lang. From snowy Ohio, hello. And for the first time in almost a full year, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one, the only, Robert Haynes. Yay! Let us in. <laughs> well. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yes. You are. Well, I just trying to keep with the theme of the podcast. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had been taken over by the evidence, perhaps. <laughs> what? Oh, the, yes. <laughs> well, the doctor was. Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Well, that was technically a whole other story that we've never actually reviewed. So, spoilers. <laughs> oh, man. But, Robert, welcome back to the show. You have been sorely missed. In fact, we've actually had a couple of posts on the Big Finish forum thread about the podcast asking about you and where you were and if you were ever coming back. Though. That's, That's nice. true. We have. Well, I'm here right now, so there you Indeed. go. Indeed. So <laughs> we will have. There will be at least a couple of very happy listeners out there. And I'm happy to be here as well. Yes. Because I get to talk about one of my favorite things. Uh, well, we're glad you're back. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Oh. Glad to be with you guys as well. Oh. But before we go any further, uh, a sort of a sad note uh, to kind of start the podcast on, having welcomed Robert back. On the topic of absent friends, since we recorded our Masters of Luxor episode, um, Hiram Lester, who was the president of Blue Box Companions, which was the Birmingham, Alabama Doctor Who fan group, and who was also a Big Finish fan and a listener to the podcast, and who Mary and I had the joy of meeting uh, between a couple of conventions last year, sadly passed away. Mm, very sad. I didn't know him very well. I mainly got to know him through Facebook before I got to meet him at uh, Tongate and Conquest Durbaris. But he was a, a fan of Big Finish and a great supporter of the podcast and had always hoped that maybe we could bring him on the show one day and sadly not going to happen now for obvious reasons. So That's um, true. From from early on when we started, he let us know that he would like to join us and yes, we never yes. get around to adding him in. Yeah, and kind of sad now it's a bit like, you know, we missed the opportunity to interview Paul Sprague. Right. Mm -hmm. On the topic of what we're going to review, and uh, you know, the box set that we're about to review was dedicated to Paul Sprague's memory. Um, so, mm -hmm. before we go any further, I'd like, um, on behalf of all of us here at Stories from the Vortex, to offer our condolences and thoughts to Hiram's friends and family, and also we'd like to dedicate this episode to his memory as well. So, shall we try and cheer things up a bit by moving on to the topic of today's review, which is Dark Eyes 3? Let's do it. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Dark Eyes 3. My name is Hope Gardner, Colony Row 351. We need help. The infinite warriors are closing in. You saved us before. Bring the lady, the lady with the dark eyes. Bring Molly O'Sullivan. You can save us all. Lord Jowder, human is here. You are strong arm. Sally Armstrong, you know my interest. The humans. Promotions are not part of this war. Maybe I speak to eminence. So when it wins this war, it will be a friend to Ramosa. Ah, Liv, the fellow you let in, the doctor. He's gone, Professor. Good. A deluded lunatic. What did he say? That my research was a danger to the future. <laughs> Sometimes the best way to fight a fire is to make sure it doesn't get started. I'm taking away your matches. Your mind opens. We will take it completely. Sounds like one of your typical schemes. Oh, on the contrary. This is my master plan. 
Every eventuality has been considered. You shall all fall to the might of the infinite. Die! You need to order your people back into the jungle. Hide. We stand and fight. Run, war blood, before I spill it. We love stories. Now, for long-time listeners of the podcast will know we covered Dark Eyes 1 in our fourth episode when Robert was still with us, and we were all pretty unanimous in how much we enjoyed that. Um, and then, just as Robert was leaving the podcast for a prolonged hiatus, Mary, you and I talked about Dark Eyes 2, and if memory serves, our opinions were not exactly glowing. Right. I would agree with you. So, Robert, since you weren't with us, and I think you were mentioning before we started recording that you've recently re-listened to Dark Eyes 2. What were your thoughts on it before we start? We go any further on Dark Eyes 3? Well, uh, I initially listened to it and I think, you know, I think, oh, it's going to be another Dalek one and uh, all this kind of thing. And I thought, you know, we're going to have four stories like this continuing on like the first Dark Eyes. And then I think when we talked before, it says uh, it was like all over the place. And I actually was originally listened to it. I I stopped it because of uh, personal things. But when I came back to it, I was saying, where am I up to in the story? And I was searching through, and because I was on the iPod, it says my position. And I started listening and thinking, I can't remember what was going on beforehand. So I re-listened and realized that I actually did sort of remember. But going back and listening again reminded me of what was going on. But... I think you know, Nick Briggs tends to do a, a quite um, hard and gritty sort of thing. And to me, it's not exactly pleasant listening at times. But it was yeah, enjoyable. I mean, it's well written, well acted, etc. But, yeah, I did find this a bit hard to sort of follow at times, which is, I guess, I I had to listen again because I, I realised I was only had about 30 minutes of, of part four left. I did one thing that did drive me bloody crazy was hearing the term Medtechchenka got <laughs> on my nerves after a while um, for some reason. And some of the um, pun things with the eyes uh, in, in the eyes of the master. Yeah, that was a bit funny. I, I, sometimes I find, um, what's his name? Um, is it Alex McQueen? Yeah. Yeah, Alex McQueen. Master. Sometimes I find he... Because I know on, on Dark Horse 3 he said he loves playing, uh, relishing the chance to get to play the bad, bad guy for a change. Um, but sometimes I think he maybe overacts uh, the, 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 the master. Um, but, yeah, he's an, he's an enjoyable master, I think, because he's more along the lines of Delgado, uh, Ainley um, type master, which I, I quite enjoy. Uh, yeah. So that's a nice retro it's kind of thing. insulting, yeah. Yeah. Yes, and I, I quite enjoy that, that aspect. But sometimes I think he, he goes, I don't know, goes a bit overboard with the, um, that's the only sort of thing I can say negative about his portrayal. But, um, yeah, it's just a bit of flitting here and there and uh, didn't seem to have a very cohesive story compared to the first Dark Eyes. Mm-hmm. It's what I, I sort of got the overall impression as i said having to listen again to remind me what was going on and and you know, i didn't find times horizon very cheery story either and it just seemed a very depressing sort of story that one 
by Matt Fetton. I think maybe the, the White Room, I think, was the story that I enjoyed most out of that box set, hmm. uh, to tell you the truth. So that's my summing up of, of Dark Eyes too. Yeah, so we were pretty much all unanimous, at least, in the, that it lacked kind of a cohesive story to a large extent. I know yeah. Something you and I had talked about, Mary, was the fact that it kind of, you know, too kind of sapped your enthusiasm for the whole series. Yes, it yeah. did. Because, you know, this came out in November, and it's the beginning of February as we're recording this, and we've literally just now gotten around to listening to it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, as uh, I think we said when we reviewed Dark Eyes 2, that uh, Nick Briggs acknowledged that this one was, uh, you know, a bit all over the place and too dense in places, um, and that he promised that Dark Eyes 3 was going to be simpler. Thank God it actually is. <laughs> yes. Better, um, more easy I, to follow. <laughs> yes, and I think largely because in, unlike Dark Eyes 2, which you had Nick Briggs writing an episode, Alan Barnes writing an episode, and mm. Matt Fitton writing the back half, only one writer is taking this on, and that would be uh, Matt Fitton. Mm. And... I think as a result, it's got far more of a cohesive story. But not only yes. that, it goes back to the roots that they really established in the first Dark Eyes of saying, okay, we're going to tell really one story in multiple parts across one box set, which I think is what the box set format is really good at doing. I mean, you talk yes. about Survivors, which you know we reviewed a while back. Uh, the New Adventures of Bernie Summerfield is another great example of that. You know, trying to do individual stories in a box set mm -hmm. doesn't really work, especially if you do like they did in Dark Eyes 2, where things are jumping around all over the place and it ends up becoming timey-wimey to, you know, for the lack of a better phrase. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes. you know, we get a cohesive story here pretty much picking up where Dark Eyes 2 left off at least in a linear chronological fashion. Mm -hmm. It's yes, on its actual yes. CD release order fashion. And thank God, because that it was what I was hoping for, and that's what I got. And I couldn't yes. be happier with the results. Yeah. It's, it is, you know, this was, story was really being pushed forward as the Doctor versus the Master. And, you know, we think about it, you know, outside of the Paul McGann TV movie, you know, the Eighth Doctor really hasn't had too many interactions with the Master in really any of any of the spin-off media, even in the novels and even in the comics, the Master doesn't tend to show up in confrontations with the Eighth Doctor. So the, having the opportunity to actually see this Doctor interact with a Master who's not Eric Roberts <laughs> is rather um, nice. Yeah, I have a note that the best part of Dark Eyes 2 are the interactions between the Doctor and the Master. And I think that, that everyone pretty much felt that, which is why this one is so focused on Doctor and Master. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it brings the story back to, it grounds it, I think, in a big way, let me say. Because I think that was something that Dark Eyes 2 lacked. I mean, you, you go back to the first Dark Eyes study, you know, it was the Doctor and Molly and the Daleks. It was a very simple story at its heart. Yes, yes. Yes, it had complications and it had its complexities. You know, and a lot of the and that weird episode with the um, oh yeah, Daleks having fun. <laughs> that spun me out. Yes, but you know, it had the complications and it had its twists and everything else. But it was fundamentally a very simple story. Yeah, Dark Eyes Two, not so much. But here, you know, it boils down to Doctor versus the Master. Molly's involved. The Eminents are involved. The Gallifreyan CIA's involved. 
Mm. You know, there's big stakes. And, you know, and it also goes back to those character moments as well that I think were such a highlight of that first arc I said as well. You know, you think about particularly the third episode of this, Mastermind, which is fundamentally, for a while, it's the Doctor and the Master in a room stuck together having to talk to each other. Yeah. And to hear the interactions between them, and it's sort of almost bickering with one another. <laughs> Better than a room. <laughs> yes. On <Un> self-destruct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, even facing potential life or death, and the best thing that particularly the Master could think of is, let's reminisce about old times and bicker, why don't we? <laughs> but, you know, the interactions between Paul McGann and Alex McQueen, I think, are the highlights of this set particularly in episodes three and four. I think it's because the, the what they're given to, to work with. When actors, uh, rather than doing a straight-out action thing, the interaction between each other, I think actors love that. Yeah. So I think that's when you can tell the, the actors are enjoying it, I think that translates to the listeners enjoying it too. Yeah, and I think especially when you've got material as good as this. I mean, Matt Fitton is a Matt Fitton's a pretty good writer. He's one of the, I think one of the better writers working for Big Finish now. So to hear he was going to be handling you know both this set and the next Dark Eyes as well was something that was genuinely good to know, and not just for the fact that they were only going to let one writer tackle it this time. Um, but he he has a very good ear for dialogue, I think, and a very good kind of idea of what you could do across a box set format you know it's, it's very much in a way going back like the first archives let's do a cross between the arc driven storylines of the new series and some of the character moments from the new series but let's do it in a multi-episode serial format like the classic series did and i think you know and that was i think one of the big failures of dark eyes too whereas they go back here and i think really what this box set represents is uh, going back to basics, let's start over, which is something they do talk about in the extras, was the fear that they had doing a third box set is, can we make this accessible to people who haven't heard Dark Eyes 1 and 2? Which, everybody here has heard those two box sets, so we are probably the people least qualified to pass comment on that. But it's certainly, I think, for my money, I think it's a whole lot better than Dark Eyes 2 ever could have been, given the way it was being told. But I think also as well, that it's got it's far more character driven and but while also holding on to that great some of the great sci-fi ideas i think the doctor who has is at its heart and that it can play with well i want to go back to the interaction between the doctor and the master um which as i said and i think was generally acknowledged was the strongest part of dark eyes 2. right um i think that realizing that there was an overemphasis on putting the doctor and the master together to have their interactions again. Um, because I found it a little tedious, actually, especially the, the, the combination of the two of them, as I said earlier, in the you know ship on self-destruct, because 98% of their conversation was, how am I going to foil you? How am I going to trap you? How are you? I'm going to make you explode. No, I'm going to make you explode. No, I'm going to trap you here. <laughs> No, I'm going to find a way out of this. Okay, no, you'll never find a way out of this. And on and on and on, you know, how they kept trying to outmaneuver one another. And it, to me, it just went on and on and on a little too long. Um, so I, I think that you know, I was getting a little tired of Dr. Master constant intensive interaction in episodes three, particularly, and in four. But 
something, yeah, if, as you say that, Mary, I do find sometimes, I think I think I find this in general with the, the character of the Doctor, sometimes the way he's written nowadays is um, a bit too cynical and sarcasm. I get a bit sick of the sarcasm. I just find that, yeah, the way the Doctor character is written, not just in, in audio, but TV nowadays, is just too much sarcasm, too much cynicism, and mm-hmm. that's something that I don't like. Yeah, I see what you're talking about, and I agree particularly with the Eighth Doctor. In, if, we're, if we're just going to say Big Finish Audios, I think particularly the Eighth Doctor is that way. But you're absolutely right on TV. Um, it seems like, yeah, yeah he's constantly... Uh, cynically commenting on humans like, and yeah like yeah yeah humans typical of humans to do this you know yeah, uh, yeah. i hate that sort of i get sick of that absolutely yeah. sick of that. <laughs> but I, think, I think that the big finished doctors as well and i think maybe it's because they're writing for classic series doctors do tend to hold on to some tend to i guess sort of don't have as much of that i mean there's the right. interesting line i think that the doctor has in this uh along the lines of that you know when you tend to look for the best in people, it tends that tend, they tend to find it in themselves, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which I, I can't see somebody like Peter Capaldi saying that, you know, given particularly Capaldi, no, no. Capaldi's 12th Doctor's cynicism, as we've seen recently on TV. Well, but we did see in the Capaldi Doctor when he was inside the Dalek, the, um, the wonder and the joy of seeing the, the workings of the Dalek and, and all that. I would like to see more of that with the Doctors. Hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to maybe explore this kind of thing because, it, you know, we're this whole story, it should be said, is based around this kind of major, was it 50-year war or whatever it is between mm-hmm. uh, humanity and the eminence. Yes. So mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of space, really, for... Yeah, for one, wonder and delight, huh? <laughs> for wonder and delight, which, you know, there's... <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you know, when Very things are, are blowing up around you and you're having to worry about, you know, the eminence coming and possessing you at any mm-hmm. given point. Right, right. This particular story really, yeah, you're right, doesn't give room for that. Whereas I think that the first Dark Eyes set did have did have room for that, I think, towards the end of the second disc of that. Mm-hmm. Certainly had space for that. I think it's, uh, it's one of those things that's on a story-by-story basis mm-hmm. that you can kind of do that kind of thing. Here it's kind of hard to do. Partly because, you know, even though I, I'm hoping it's accessible to people who haven't heard Dark Eyes 1 and 2, uh, though if you haven't heard Dark Eyes 1 and 2, go listen to them, because especially the first one. Second one, we keep going on about. Second one, not so much. <laughs> second one, not so much. Um, but I think it's, 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 you're midway through a story. It's kind of, if I may make an analogy to Star Wars, it's kind of like the first Star Wars movie is like that. You know, it's... Which the first universe. one are we talking about? Uh, New Hope. Okay, episode episode one, 4. Episode yeah, 4. Episode yeah. 4. We're not talking about the prequels. Forget the prequels. Everybody, right now, forget the prequels. <laughs> really? It never happened. Forgotten, um, forgotten. Yes. We'll go back, to, go back to the first proper Star Wars film, A New Hope. You know, and you see the wonder of things through, you know, Luke. And then in the second film, and especially, you know, the second film especially, you know, it's, it's kind of dark and it's kind of cynical and it's coming to terms with the fact that the universe isn't as great and as wonderful of, as a, of a place as we might think it is. Um, and I think that that's certainly true to a large extent here. I mean, that the first episode of this, especially the death of Hope, it's in the large respects you could actually just forget Doctor Who. Let's just call it Master Who, because yes. the Doctor is literally sitting on the sidelines yes. during yeah. that entire episode, and we're seeing yeah. events through the eyes of the Master and Sally Armstrong and Molly O'Sullivan. But he, um, the, the Master did seem to get a bit of a. Um... 
uh, I don't know, uh, like he's a bit of a hero, sort of. I don't know. He's he's like he's seeing a bit of a good side, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, the analogy I think they make in the story itself, especially in the cover art for the actual CD, which is the uh, the master wearing a cowboy. Yeah, that's, is, that's it yeah. is. You know, the the sense of going in, he's sort of the stranger who rides into town and sorts out the problem and leaves. It's uh, yeah. almost the Jungian yep. archetype of of the stranger in a way. But he's actually getting to play the doctor for a brief moment. I mean, he's got yes. his own cynical motives for doing I so. I quite enjoyed that. I quite yes, enjoyed that. I did too. Yeah, I liked that very much. But it's interesting to kind of see things from a different perspective because, you know, the master is the central character in that first one, but he's playing the role of the doctor. He's doing everything the doctor would do, but he's doing it in his own way. I mean, he picks up a gun and starts shooting at one point. The doctor would never do that. You know, which is something, you, you know, and it's interesting to kind of look at things from a different perspective in that regard. You know, you're saying mm-hmm. things through the master's point of view, and the master is, let's be honest, he is cold. He is cynical. Um, mm. He is evil. He is manipulative. Mm-hmm. He's malevolent. Let, let's just use. Let's just drop mm. the other end, the big M word into the sentence. No, he's he's the savior. He's the rescuer. He's the. Uh... <laughs> As we get to know him initially. As we get to know yeah. him, the sense that the master is all all of these things, and mm-hmm. you know, he accidentally a... he accidentally saves a bunch of people yeah. through yes. trying to carry I out. I quite enjoyed that. That's what I quite enjoy. Yeah, which is absolutely brilliant, but I think that kind of thing doesn't leave you a whole lot of space for the wonder and the joy and delight that I'm sure if you could actually go anywhere in time and space, you would have. But I think it's going back to what I was saying, that the fact that this is centered around different chunks of a decade-spanning intergalactic conflict, Mm. I think means that you're going to end up with a story that's kind of cold and dark and a bit cynical in places. Well, you talk about the Doctor being sidelined, um, in that first uh, episode, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with that. But the big disappointment for me were, were two major characters that were pretty big in Dark Eyes 1 and 2 that were pretty sidelined in this whole story, and that is uh, Liv Chinka, played by, you know, the amazing actress Nicola Walker. Yes, I would have yes. loved to have had more of her, but she spent mm-hmm. most of her time tending to Molly. And then Molly, my the one I really like, uh, I love the actress. I love the uh, the character that she plays. I want more of Molly, um, but she's let's get coma for most of this story. <laughs> was no, that was that just down to Ruth Bradley's uh, availability? Yeah, from, the reason why they, she was yeah. Yeah, from what they talk about on the extras, a lot of that got dictated by the fact she was doing a, doing a movie and they she wasn't going to be available. And then in the end, she was available, but it was kind of too late to do anything about it. Mm, yeah, well, um, yeah. But it, it's sort of, you know, and I can understand my disappointment with not having her in it more as well is along the lines of yours, Mary, because she is such a central character, especially to that first set and the second set as well. She um, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she becomes a bit of a MacGuffin in this one. Yeah. yeah. The other analogy I make, which I tend to make a lot, and I'm trying not to make it, but it's the only thing I can really think of off the top of my head. It's a bit like um, Orson Welles playing Harry Lyme in The Third Man. You know, if she's not in a scene, you're talking about her. You know, she might be in it for very little, but yeah, the whole story yeah. revolves around yeah, her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yep. It might be, but it doesn't satisfy me. I want to hear yes. more. Yes. 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 Yeah. I don't care if it's about I, I love, <laughs> I want... You know what I love about, because I love about Molly is the... I don't know. The, she's got such a lovely character in the way she looks at things and the way I love the way she's she talks. So yeah. Yes. She's, yeah. She, 
like a refreshing, like a, I guess. Yeah, she's old fashioned. She's like a peasant. Yes. Doesn't take uh, the doctor's guff. Doesn't get into great, you know, extensive word plays with the doctor like Charlie always does. And uh, I, I just yes. always enjoy her, but there wasn't enough of her in this. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it would have been nice to have had more of her, especially with, uh, shall we say, the way things end up working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it would have been, I think, great to have had her. But I think it's one of those things, you know, trying to budget, you know, I guess we'll yeah. budget trying to make it's somebody's availability. Yes. Yeah, well, trying to make availability work, you know. No, and, sorry, and, I'm not going to forgive it because of, of schedule, <laughs> budgets, and everything else. I want Dark Eyes because I want Molly. And if yeah, I don't get it, I'm disappointed in Dark Eyes. Um, you know, so well, I'm sorry, I... those things, you know, may dictate how they do it. Um, you know, they could have arranged a different time to do yeah. it. They could have released this later. They could have done anything to give me more Molly. But, you know, it happened that way. And so I'm disappointed. Okay. So, Big Finish, Mary is not forgiving you for the lack of Bruce Bradley in this box set. <laughs> Robert and, I, Robert and I are more understanding. Mary is not. I don't think Will Robert they make is in... in Dark Eyes 4, though? Uh, well, I hope so. There better be more of Molly in Dark Eyes 4. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Um, we know we'll have more Livchenka in Dark Eyes 4, thankfully, because yeah. I think, you know, I think it perhaps is a side effect of the fact that this is so much Doctor versus Master. And I, yeah. In, in retrospect, yeah, in more... Yeah, thinking about what you think about what you said just a few minutes ago, Mary, I, I do kind of think would you think there's some truth to what you're saying that there's maybe perhaps some overemphasis on that at the expense of particularly the companion characters in this. Yes. So the one interaction becomes rather tiresome because there's not enough of the other characters that I would like to hear. I think if you come up with a great character, you've got to use them. You don't just mm-hmm. have them sitting in the background piss fighting around doing something. Yeah, let's not <laughs> the dark eyes and have it be about yes, Molly yes. Osman, and then she's not there for the majority yeah. of the story. Didn't she just, I mean, she's sort of a presence, but that's not the same thing uh, as actually having that thing. character there, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, right. Yes. I'm her. <laughs> that's true. I love Nicola Walker, but um, as the way she's written at times, this is another thing, is I find her character's a bit too cynical and down. I want a bit of lightness from her occasionally. I don't know, maybe not out and out joking, but she seems like so damn serious all the bloody time. And yeah, she oh, was, she was so upbeat and hopeful at the end of Dark Eyes too. Yeah. And then you yeah. meet her again here, and once again she's blah back on the battlefield. Yes, oh, yes, and yeah. guy, you know, don't you know, don't praise me, don't do anything nice for me because I don't deserve it. You know, it's yeah. like yeah. oh. I thought we got beyond this. Well, I think it, it goes back to the fact that so much of this is set around, you know, as you say, a battlefield setting. It, it's a war, and let's be honest, war tends to have that effect on people. But she's already seen the amazing things that the doctor can yeah. do. She has already seen the amazing future. So why am I to buy the fact that all of a sudden she's back in a battlefield with blinders on, like she's never seen or experienced anything greater than you know this this horrible situation she's in again but but there's also the you know she has got that thing about i'm dying hanging over her throughout the stories which yeah yeah make color things but i mean if you found out you know you didn't have much longer to live how would you view things would you think i'm gonna make the most of my time or rather than sitting oh woe is me 
Well, yeah. people, yeah, people tend to be know. both ways. You know, you, you have people yeah. who, who go one or the other, and you have people who go through the five stages of grief, you know. And, yes, yes. Yeah, well, she, yeah. she went. She spiraled back to to number one. <laughs> well, some people do yeah. that. I mean, if you think of the way you know depression tends to work, I mean, one of the things I think there is some truth to that I've I've read recently is that people never really get over being depressed. You have your bet, you no, have good no, days, no, no. yeah, yeah. But you know, fundamentally, there's always a black cloud hanging over you, and I think that was what I I got from <laughs> sort of the character and Nicola Walker's performance in this especially towards the end of episode three, when there's a moment where she thinks she's actually going to die. Yes. <laughs> and she really, you know, and it's sort of, there's another character in that scene who's absolutely panicking and she's like, all yes, calm, cool, and collected. Like, you know, this mm -hmm. is going to happen anyways. And it's, just, yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful it moment. It is. It is. No, I, I'm just complaining about how we come upon her again at the, you know, when, when we see her for the first yes. time here, it's yes. as if nothing happened to her. In see her. See her. They're yeah, even listening her. to her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, just mention something about that second episode as well. Yeah, go ahead. Something I'm reading in a review, which I just found totally true, is just these bloody aliens, you know, the ones who go warm-blooded and... Yeah, bone the you know, yeah. I just, get, I just get sick to death of hearing them whinging about how bad humans are. And somebody says here, the remotes point out humanity's aggression and selfishness and cruelty so much that I really wish the humans would just kill them if only to shut them up. <laughs> I, I found that, say, I agree with that statement. Yeah, totally. me too. I wonder why, why aren't the humans just standing up and rebelling and getting rid of them? Yeah, because there aren't many of them left. <laughs> Ro righteous, I think, Called, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, basically these giant cockroach-like creatures. I mean, it is kind of the thing, and I think that's just building on the cliches of what's been done before, but also, you know, turning things on its head to a certain extent. Because people tend to people tend to say that about other people to begin with. Can you imagine what would happen if humans came into contact with an alien race kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's still a bit cliched, and I have to say episode two was probably the one I enjoyed the least out of the box sets. I'd say yeah. the same thing. Yeah. At least until the very end of it, and there's that magnificent scene between uh, the Doctor and Liv and the TARDIS, which is interesting. You know, this is coming on the back of Night of the Doctor and, you know, the regeneration and everything else. The fact that Paul McGann's Doctor isn't the Time War Doctor, but there's something in that scene between the two of them and just what he says. That it, it, you very much get the sense of, of this sort of tired man who's sort of just tired of the way everything's going. Mm. And you have to keep in mind that, at least in the Eighth Doctor's personal terms, this is still fairly recently on the end of the Eighth Doctor adventures with Lucy Miller and everything that happens at the end of that. Yes, yes. So, you know, he, the, the, I, think the, I think as Matt Fitton says in the extras, that there is sort of this dark cloud hanging over the Eighth Doctor, to a certain extent, there is this darkness kind of over him. Going back to the depression analogy I made a short while ago, I think that the Eighth Doctor in this is a bit of a depressed man trying to find some hope, desperately looking for hope. Well, that's how Dark Eyes 1 begins. Right. And I think it's yes. still, you yeah. know, even though all of this stuff has happened since then, I mean, keep in mind the Doctor spent God knows how long in a, in a Dalek prison at the end of Dark Eyes 2. Spoiler alert for Dark Eyes 2. <laughs> um, but um, you know, he—I think he's still fundamentally a depressed man, and I think a scene like that one at the end of part two, yeah, I but think that's shows like, that. 
doesn't make for a good listen if you if it's constantly like that though. That's true, which is why you know you're thankful for some of the the, the, the few and far between lighter moments yeah. in this. Well, Matthews, you were painting this whole thing as being so positive and wonderful and and you know so well done and all that. So here we are sticking little pins <laughs> in your balloon. Yeah, but, but yeah, but that's the thing is when you review something. Of course, there's going to be negatives. Nothing is totally uh, 100%, you know, it's good. But, you know, the general impression, when you go away from this box set, it's a lot more positive than, I say, Dark Eyes 2, wouldn't you say? Yes. Overall, you know, and, and the cohesion of the story uh, and ideas, I guess, you know. I think, mm. you know, so that's, you think of something like that. But you yeah. can always find things to pick that you'd like better. Yeah. Well, overall, overall, when I look at the progression from Dark Eyes 1 to 2 to 3, it puts me in mind of the um, syndrome that afflicted the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, when that first uh, movie yes. came out, yes. it was so, such a big hit because it was yeah. so full of wonderful characters and surprises and, and good humor and, and everybody just loved it to death. And so You're making you know, another one, you know, Mary. Yeah, well, we're, you know, so now we're on, <laughs> what are we on Pirates Five. Yeah, I think it's the fifth yeah. movie that's been pre-production at the moment. Yeah, each one comes progressively weaker because they really are not sure where to take all of this. Yes, yes. And I'm, yes. I'm getting that feeling from Dark Eyes. You know, as we progress along, it's like the pressure to come up with something to meet the glory yeah. of the first one yes. just isn't yes. there. And, and so I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say I. Each one, you know, to two to three has been worse, but none of them are capturing the magic of one. Yeah, I think the, I think one to a large extent, because I can see where you're coming from. And actually, I do. Surprisingly, I do agree with you, Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if Dark Eyes had just remained Dark Eyes and had just been that one single box set, uh -huh. it would have been brilliant because, you know, yes. it, it was magic in a bottle. There was something yes. about that first set that worked brilliantly. Yes. And they tried to recapture the magic in two, and I think they, I wouldn't say, failed miserably is is putting it a bit too harshly, but it was nowhere near as successful. <laughs> three is a, I think three is a dramatic improvement over <laughs> two, <laughs> but it doesn't have, I mean, you could call these box sets something else. Yeah, yes. yeah, I mean, this one barely should be called Dark Eyes, because, like I said, the main character is mostly missing. <laughs> yeah, but it's not yeah. just that, but I mean, it, it is technically a continuation of the same story, but it's not really a continuation of the same story. I mean, it feels like this is a continuation. Two did not feel like a continuation of one. No, no. And you three know, but... feels like a continuation of two. I mean, you could put these, yeah. I'm assuming you could put two, three, and four together as a completely different box set and call it something else. I yeah. don't think anybody would know the difference. Right, right. I would agree. I would agree. You know what? Because I think at the end of Dark Eyes, they sort of are uh, situations resolved. And so I, artificially, I, I think they come into Dark Eyes too. And then they, oh, Molly's back. There's still a problem. And um, yeah. it's sort of a bit artificial, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Exactly. Dark Eyes 2 and 3, I'd call it something else, yeah. Well, yeah. on the strength of, of the first Dark Eyes, I was so excited, I pre-ordered 2, 3, and 4. Because I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, let the magic continue. Well, yes, you know, what yeah. now is a little bit of buyer's remorse. <laughs> <laughs> let me, well, let, let me put it this way. I, have, I bought Dark Eyes 2. I have not re-listened to Dark Eyes 2. I have no wish 
Yeah, yeah I, you can re listen to Dark Eyes too. Yeah. I would consider I listen going to the back and one. listening yeah. to this. Yes, yeah, I would consider going back and re-listening to this. This is better. There are still yes. several things, as I've mentioned, that are disappointments to me, um, which would make me not even that much want to go back and listen to three. Um, you know, I don't have as high of an opinion of it as you two do. No, 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 no. I, I think I'm the same with you, Mary. I, I don't no. think I'd listen to Dark Eyes 3 as much as I'd want to. I'm feeling like I want to go back and listen to the first one soon. Yeah, yeah, it makes me want to hear the first one. I think it'd be a while before I'd listen to the, the, the uh, third one again, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm very mediocre about three. I mean, I really did not like two, and I'm kind of mediocre about three. So it is an improvement. Yeah. But how much, I can't say. Okay, let's yeah. let's, let's have some fun then. Let's uh, One being terrible, five being great, what would you give this, Mary? I'd give this a three. Okay, yeah. Robert, what would you give? Same here, same here. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably give it a, either a three and a half or a four myself, so. Oh, so you do think much better of it than I do. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, you are very, very quite contrary. <laughs> See, dark, <laughs> dark Guys would be a five. Dark Guys yes. two would be a one and a oh, half, maybe. Yes. This would be I'd a say small three. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say probably I'd give uh, Dark Guys two a three. Because uh, as I said, I listened. I basically listened to it twice to tell you the truth. I had to go back and look at my notes because I had completely forgotten what Dark Eyes Two was about. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Difficult. You do, because mm-hmm. as I say, like that that event, no, Time Horizon was it called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I say, that was pretty depressing kind of thing. It was like, and I just get sick of those. This just seemed to be a bit depressing. Mm. Um, so I don't sort of really have very fond memories, and the last ones just seem to be the the master setting up his institute with um, the eyes. <laughs> That's all I remember, sort of, with the last one of that. But and the, the first story was very much typical Nick Briggs um, Dalek one. But can I ask something? Because these last two uh, volumes have been concentrated on um, the eminence mostly, the eminence and the master. Do you think that that sort of, because it's not the Daleks, sort of is, is why the reason that it's not as good? It might be. I mean, I have to be honest. It wasn't until this box that I actually warmed up to the eminence as an, as an idea, of, as a yes. villain for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I found that too. I didn't find yeah. much in the, 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 the second box set. But, yeah, this... I thought, oh, yes, they're a bit more interesting now. Yeah. And the way and Molly refers them as mustard gas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd, I'd also heard Seeds of War, which the last episode of this ties into to a certain extent as well. When it came out, God, that was almost two years ago now. And I hadn't been very impressed with that story at all when it came out. I was definitely not very impressed with the with the eminence there. I think having put the eminence at the four this time without them having to also compete against the Daleks in one story and the Byrons in another story has given them some space to actually be expanded upon it. You actually get the sense, partly I think because the box set takes you through chunks of this conflict, that they are actually a threat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I am on record as saying I am a huge Dalek fan, and I am glad to see the Daleks will be back in Volume 4. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I the Daleks are back in Volume 4. I think the Eminence is going to be in Volume 4, and the Sumtarans are going to be in Volume 4. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, we dealt with the Daleks in 1 um, and 2, and now in this one, you know, we're dealing with 
bigger, you know, uh, more threatening problems. I felt like we we had like Godzilla versus uh, King Kong, you know, fighting it. Out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where can they go for the next one? You know, is it going to be bigger? You know, bigger, bigger threats. Are we going to be Godzilla and King Kong versus what are some of these other Japanese monsters that you know are so big and famous? You know, are we are we are we moving on to you know one of those multi monster disaster movies for number four to make it bigger and better than what has come before? Well, we know four is going to finish off Dark Eyes, and we know there's already a fit. We already know there's going to be a whole another series of box sets following it up. I think that to a certain extent, I almost wonder if he finishes suffering from box set syndrome. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I wonder too. You know, yes. and I, was, I would much have preferred had they taken the Eighth Doctor back to the main range having finished Dark Eyes instead of saying, hey, let's yes. do more box sets. Right, yeah. right. But I say that because I'm a main range subscriber and I like getting value you know, value for my money. Mm. So yeah. we can agree then that Dark Eyes 3 is an improvement over Dark Eyes 2. How much of an improvement is up for debate? Yes. Yeah, it's just that I, I think we what we want is we want that first kind of box set. So are we looking forward to Dark Eyes 4 very much? Yeah. I, um, I think so because I think there's always the hope that they can um, get back to what we like, I guess. Maybe they can pull this up later. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think we might be know, talking about the same thing, you know. Yeah. 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 Or let down. Yeah, and they just kind of round the series off, and when they start with the next box, that kind of start over again, and. Not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. Even though I'll be sad to kind of, you know, to see these characters go by the wayside. Mm. Okay, have we talked about Dark Eyes 3, 2, and 1 enough for what episode <laughs> do you guys think? I have nothing else to say. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. So, I think we'll wrap things up for this episode then. And next episode, we're going to be returning to a topic we haven't talked about in about a year now, but something that's proven to be very popular with you, the listeners, and that would be Blake 7. We're going to be looking at The Liberator Chronicles Volume 5, which looks to be a very interesting box set. So, Robert, do you think you'll perhaps be able to join us for that, since I know you're a Blake 7 fan? I would love to, yeah. All right. Why aren't we doing 2, 3, and 4? You'll find out. Yeah, how come we're not doing two, three, and four? As I said, you'll find out. <laughs> Even me. <laughs> Listen to them and then you will see. Yes. So, I guess until next time, that's a goodbye from me. <laughs> goodbye from me. And thanks for listening. That's goodbye from me. Right. So long. Thanks for all the fish. Take care. Take care.